millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by one of the How I Quit Alcohol legends. His name's Andrew. He's a truck driver from Victoria. He's been in the grads group for a while now, and he's definitely one of the people I would say that just puts the wind in the sails of the rest of the group. He's always posting amazing videos and photographs from beautiful places that he sees in his job. And I don't know, you just have this sort of connection with the group, which is absolutely beautiful. And so I'd like to welcome Andrew to the podcast. How are you, mate? I'm well. How are you? I'm I'm so good. I'm so happy to have you on here. As of today, how many days sober are you? I'm just over 12 months. Wow. That's freaking awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It's yeah, it feels really good to to get there. There'll be many more 12 months celebrations to come. So Yay, that's the way. (laughs) (laughs) It it really is a good feeling. Did you ever think you'd get to the 12 month mark? In the beginning, it was it was week by week or day by day, week by week. But then once I got going, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've got this. This is this is fine. Mm-hmm. After a while, it just it didn't even sort of become an issue. Like it was just, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing that anymore. So That's fantastic. And that was often Ash's attitude as well, that once he decided, okay, well, we're not doing it anymore. So it's sort of because that's, that's his famous saying, you know, it's easy. You know, mm. I think once you stop the negotiation and just were like, no, nah, it's off the table, then it, does become a lot easier yeah absolutely I think it's such a great attitude to have and it gets you such a long way because you stop fighting with your your reality then well is- that's the biggest thing it's always yeah you're always bargaining with yourself and the negotiations and 
it's just easier just to say, right, I don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that you're a truck driver. You're sitting there in a Led Zeppelin t-shirt, which my daughter, Sunny, would be so very impressed about. You know, you've got a goatee beard. Someone might look at you and imagine you to be a big drinker. Around your circles and the people that you work with, was it a shock to them or is it different for them that you're not drinking? Well, around people I work with, no, because I don't really associate with many people at work because being a truck driver, it's more of a solo thing. So there was no real difference there. I sort of, I keep to myself a lot, like with my job. As for social group of friends, that I don't have that. I lost, I lost my group of friends a long, long time ago, probably due to alcohol-related incidents, not all of them. But I do believe I was partly to blame for that. I do believe they were partly to blame as well. So, but that's, that's something I've dealt with and I've learned to get over. You're like a solo man on a mission. Pretty much. You and your family. Yeah, it's just me, me and my wife and the girls. Yeah, that's well, I think that's beautiful too. Tell me about when you first started drinking. When was the very first time you drank alcohol? Oh, um, the very first time I actually tasted alcohol, I reckon it was beer. I might have been about eight or nine. It was, you know, like you'd be around at your grandfather's house and you'd have the, you know, the, the nice cold beer going and, you're sort of like, oh, you know, can I have a try of that? You know, you sort of knew what alcohol was. It was like an adult drink that, you know, made you do funny things. And, yeah, I remember sipping it and didn't really think much of it. So that was probably the first time I tried it. Wow, that's um, so young, isn't it? That's so yeah. young. I, the thought of Aria, my daughter, my youngest, she's nine. I think, oh, my God, the thought of her sipping beer freaks me the fuck out. Oh, my God. Do you think that's just part because it was around, you know, it's just so normalised that you just sort of, or did you want to be like one of the adults? I think it was more curiosity. It's like, what is this? What is this drink? You know, like I always like soft drink and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it was more just a curiosity thing because I think after that there was probably a couple more times here and there, you know, I'd have have a few squigs of beer and that. And I remember when I, I used to stay over at their house, I was, probably, I was probably a little bit older by then. I was probably around the 12, 13 mark. And I used to sneak cans of beer out of the fridge and like go out the back in, in the old woodshed and you know, you'd sort of sip on it and think you were pretty cool. And but I knew where I knew where the stash was. So I'd go and grab a warm can and replace it in the fridge so it looked like that none had been touched because I don't know if he counted his cans or not. I reckon the first time I got absolutely like fucking rotten drunk, I reckon I was about 16, was probably the first time. And that was on beer and it tasted like absolute ass. Um, <laughs> it does doesn't like, it at first it tastes like chemicals or metal or something it's gross yeah. like i remember we would we brought a slab i'm pretty sure it was a slab of vb there was probably Ew. three or four of us we all sort of pitched in and and like i remember we were drinking it but we were tipping it out at the same time because you know we're like yeah we you know we've had two beers we've had three beers etc cetera, etc cetera. and then we ended up at this party which i think that was the intention I can't quite remember, but I think that was the intention of the night. We were going to this party. So, yeah, we, well, I got absolutely rotten drunk before I'd even got there. And I got to the party and I spewed and I passed out for a bit. And, Great party um, guest. Oh, yeah, yeah, real good, <laughs> turning up like that. Um, I remember sitting in front of the fire just feeling like absolute shit and everyone's like, oh, well, you had a bit much. Oh, you'll be right, you know, just have some water, you'll be fine. You know, like no one really sort of battened an eyelid about it. Was there any part of you that really liked the feeling of being drunk or how was, can you remember what it was like to have that feeling? At first it was really good to get that buzz. Like I'm sort of like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, I feel a bit funny and trying to walk and everything's like moving and all that. So I always sort of enjoyed that bit, but then it got to a certain point where you didn't start enjoying it because you couldn't talk, you couldn't stand up and so tell me where and where did it go to for you from there? When did alcohol start to sort of creep in more? Was it becoming a regular thing for you? How did it look? Yeah, I sort of got to the point where I started enjoying it a bit more. Um, still couldn't handle it though. I still ended up spewing my guts up every session and you'd sort of get a bit emotional on that and you were just drunk and didn't sort of know what you were doing. I was an emotional teenager. I, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions and sort of it was very it was very confusing times when you're a teenager you just you just don't sort of know what what you're doing yeah um, it's like if you don't have I guess if you don't know a 
how to express the emotions or how to, you know, how are we meant to deal with them when we're not kind of taught how to express them and how to deal with them? Definitely. How do you think you're, because this is something I'm interested in at the moment, is, you know, this early education about learning to be with what is and learning to be with what's showing up and then being able to express in an authentic way. Do you feel like that would have changed the trajectory of your life had you have been taught those things? I, I definitely reckon it would have helped with a bit more education. Yeah, absolutely. And and luckily there is more of that, you know, being taught in schools. Men like Hugh Van Kleinberg, who does the Resilience Project, I think he's done amazing work in schools. And I guess the more that we can teach our own children as well, how to sort of, okay, what are you feeling right now? And how does that make you feel perhaps? Or, you know, those sort of questions that they can start asking themselves that. I think there'll be so much, oh God, I wish I had been taught that stuff, Andrew. I just, honestly, I do. I feel like everything would have been so different. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're getting into your 20s and you're sort of starting to like alcohol. There's emotional things coming up. You don't know how to deal. So drinking more. Was it blackout drinking? Was it daily drinking? There was a point in my early 20s where it was every day. Um, I had I had a job that wasn't really just I got up each day, went and done it, got home, got on the piss, you know, just to try and escape reality a little bit, then go to bed, wake up, do it all again. And like that went on for that went on for a few months, just that constant, just every day. Hit it a bit harder on the weekends because you didn't have to get up and go to work. So it was becoming more repetitive. Okay, I'm drinking on a daily basis. How was how were you feeling about that? At any point were you feeling like this is not good, this is a problem, or was it just that's what you do? Pretty much just that's what I do. I didn't really see it as an issue, not until probably my mid-20s, I reckon it was. What? How? When you say it was starting to look like it was becoming an issue, what's becoming an issue look like for you? What was making well, you, what was raising the flags for you that this is becoming an issue? I guess the first time I realised it may have been an issue is I had a breakdown one night just from being really, really drunk. Um, oh, wow. I don't know, just a heap, I'm not, I can't quite remember what happened, but something happened and just a heap of emotions come up and I just, I just lost the plot. I just didn't know what I was doing. So the next day when I woke up, I started asking myself a few questions and I did get questioned by a couple of people in my life at that time. I, I remember because I never seen alcohol as an issue, I always just thought it was me that was the issue. Um, Whoa, yeah. How many people have, sorry, I just cut you off there, but that's so important. I never saw alcohol as the issue. I just thought I was the issue. Exactly, because I knew I was a bit of an emotional person um, that didn't know how to deal with them. Um, I just always thought the issue was me. So I've since changed my mind about that. Of course, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sobriety will do that to you. And I guess when you do the daily work, you start to realise, well, this is, you know, I'm not my thoughts and this is not me. It's alcohol is the problem here. Wow. So it was sort of like just a breakdown on that night and then you're starting to question the alcohol perhaps or you're still questioning yourself. Did yeah, that stop more- you? Uh, no. I remember having a rest for a while. Um, I thought, okay, well, I have been drinking a fair bit lately, so maybe I'll just I'll have a rest and, you know, it'll be fine. Um, I think after that, I did start to cut it down a bit because we were looking at buying a house at the time. So you're with your wife at this point? I was, I was with her at the time, but we weren't yeah. married at that stage. Yeah. It wasn't far away. Did she ever question your drinking? Was she ever worried about it? She was one of the ones that questioned me, um, and she was the one I had me breakdown to. Mm-hmm. When she saw you in that state, you know, someone that she loves clearly breaking down in front of her, did she see it as alcohol being the problem at all? I do think she did see the alcohol as a problem, but I always seen it as me as the problem. So I just said, oh, I'll just stop drinking for a while and, you know, in a way, sort of smooth it over, and it'll be fine. Her, her herself, she was a she was a drinker, but not not as much as definitely not as much as me. Like she could handle her alcohol and stop whenever she wanted to. There was always a lot of tension around me drinking. I always used to get questioned a lot um, by her, which 
did used to put up a lot of resistance towards it. Like I'd be like, what's what's the problem like were you going in to defend the alcohol too you sort of get your defenses up yeah yeah absolutely i defended alcohol a lot absolutely yeah no yeah god so many of us do that don't we it's like don't question the alcohol (laughs) you know yeah we protect it so fiercely okay and so she's starting to question you and you're defending the alcohol how does that then look for you how What's happening with alcohol consumption? Where are you at at this point? Are you drinking more? Well, I did cut it down a lot. Um, eventually, I was able to stop the the drinking every night um, after work sort of thing. And then it, it did only sort of become probably once on the weekend for a long time. There was the odd night during the week here and there. What really turned that around is I got my truck license. So you've got to be double zero to drive a truck. So that really helped with the daily drinking for sure because I couldn't yeah you couldn't like have have a session that night and then jump in the truck at bloody two three o'clock the next morning and things so that yeah. really helped me in a way to to get yeah. a lid on it a lid on it for a while I suppose yeah and that was that was sort of mostly what my 20s looked like and then sort of early 30s it's it started to pick up a bit more like there was there started to be a few more nights during the week and and then I changed jobs there for a while and I was still involved with trucks and that, but I wasn't going out on the road as much. So, and I was starting a bit later. So I was able to sort of have a few more. Okay. So it's starting to pick up more. When were you starting to go, when did it get to the point where you wanted to make a change? Probably the last four years was the worst it ever got. I ended up on antidepressants medication. It was about 50 milligrams and I was told not to drink with it but I went against that obviously mm-hmm. um, I was able to keep a lid on it for a while um, and I'd, I'd been I'd had I'd had breaks in between like you know I did dry July you know I'd have a few months off of not well, not quite a few months but I'd, I'd had you know time off and that and sort of thought oh yeah I'm pretty right body's recovered right, I'll have a few this weekend and a few leave led to a few more i got to the point i had another major breakdown one night again it happened at home i just broke down in the kitchen yeah it was a pretty bad night that was um anyway so the next morning i went up to the doctor and sort of said what was going on and they're like oh so they upped me medication to 100 milligrams and did they ask if you were drinking well that that um they they didn't really ask about the drinking, but I told them that you know how much I was drinking, and they they did this. This is the fucked thing about it, right? They didn't really see that as an issue. They're like, oh, oh, you probably could cut it down a bit. Oh, don't worry too much. It sounds like you've got you know you've got oh. a lid on it. I'm just sort of like, okay, and they're just sort of like, oh no, if we just up your medication, you'll be fine. Like it's just it's a chemical imbalance. Like that's what they keep saying. So I thought, oh yeah, so I've, I got, I got, I had a rest for a while. I probably, I think I was probably off it for a couple of months at that stage. Um, and I started feeling pretty good. Can I just ask, you don't have to answer this, but what did it, when you say you had a breakdown in the kitchen, are you able to elaborate on that at all? Like what did that look like? Um, I'd been having suicidal thoughts um, mm. just because just, just the pressures of life. Just sometimes the way life is, like just out in the world, it just gets a bit too much. And yeah. a lot of emotions that I'd, I'd buried over the years, just, you know, a lot of it had just come to, it just got too much for me to handle. And sometimes, yeah. you know, I just feel like I just can't, I just can't do this shit anymore. Um, yeah, well. So that's, that's kind of how I ended up on the medication. Yeah. And obviously alcohol on top of that, it's just, a, it really is a recipe for disaster. So were you there saying, I'm going to kill myself or were you just feeling like you were going to do that or did you try that um, night in the kitchen? I I didn't, at that stage I hadn't tried, but I I said to myself, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done with this shit. I've, which is why I think I broke down. Wow, I, that's I just so didn't know scary. how to handle it. And, yeah. Um, 
And that, that was, yeah, that was the first time that Karen was aware of it. And your wife, that was the first time she was sort of aware of it. Well, that must have been huge for her as well, too, to see you in that state and for you to actually express that to her. Mm, yeah, yeah it was well, pretty emotional night. Oh, gosh, yes. In some ways, I guess it's almost as though that that, that night, though, it just brings things to the front too. It's like this is what's happening. This has to be dealt with. But what pisses me off is that you go to the doctor. I'm not against medication, but at least to ask, okay, how much were you drinking? What's your trauma history? You know, what's going on for you? you tell me about life. Like not asking those questions to people. Just go, yep, let's just up your medication and see how that goes. It's just not dealing with the issues. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. And then... Yeah, so I was able to keep, I was able to get it back under control again, like the drinking, like, and then I started sort of, sort of self healing a little bit, and you know everything sort of calmed down, and then it was probably after about six months or so the drinking sort of picked up again, um, mm. and then it got to the point where the emotions started coming back every time I drank, and. Whenever I drank, I always drank to just to write myself off. Like if I was drinking, I was I was getting fucked up. Like that was just what I what I did. Yeah, which caused me probably caused me a lot to to start having the the suicidal thoughts again. Um, I remember one night I actually did write a letter, like a goodbye letter. Oh, um, and I actually, I knew how I was going to do it. I'd actually planned out exactly, and I knew where. Um, and I was actually in the car ready to go. Oh, my God. And I actually don't recall what happened that night because I woke up the next morning and I was inside. Um, so I don't know, like nothing had ever been said. I don't know if, she, yeah, like someone came outside and got me or I just, I just don't recall, but I just remember I woke up next morning inside. Wow. And I just found the letter that I'd wrote. And then so I quickly got rid of that and I sort of just tried to piece it back, you know, piece back what had happened. Yeah, couldn't still couldn't really recall much. So I didn't sort of think too much of it. Are you scared at this point? Like are you scared of your own thoughts? And I just I was getting a bit worried, yes. Yeah. Um, I kept sort of thinking, well, why why do I get to a point where it's I just sort of start thinking, well, I can't deal with this shit. That's it, I'm done. Um because I I'd say to myself during the week, like I'm not drinking this weekend, you know, like you just you don't you don't need to do it. But then Friday Arvo would come, I'd finish work and like park it and go to the bottle shop. I'll just get I'll just get a couple and then just have them and That'll be it. Well, you'd have them and then you'd be like, oh, you know, I could really, really feel like some more. So you'd jump in the car and go and get some more. Shouldn't have been driving. Um, I've done that a few times. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, so there was a few more sessions like that. That, Like, yeah, things that just se- seemed to get a bit too hard. And it, it just, it always caused so much tension with the wife. Like, it's just, and then... Like, cause I sort of, I never got, I never understood it. Like, I'd be like, well, what's the issue? Like, I'm not going out anywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm at home. I'm out in my shed. I'm just minding my own business. Like, what's the problem? Why? It always just used to cause like just so much tension between us. Like, it was just always an issue. Do you think that was because she was worried because she saw the effect it would have on you? Like, she yeah. saw the breakdowns and things like that, and she's probably thinking, "Fuck! Every time you drink, you end up like this." Yeah, yeah absolutely. So- yeah. yeah ab- absolutely. I, she could say I was going, I was sort of spiraling out of control a bit. Yeah. So there was a few more nights like that, like a few more Friday sessions like that. And I just sort of kept thinking, oh, yeah. like, ah, you know, don't worry about it. You'll be right. And then there was one Friday night, I didn't start having suicidal thoughts, but I really started to question, I'm like, look, this this is getting a bit much. Like, how can I, how can I sort of stop doing this? Um, and by then, I'd been listening to your podcast and that, and because I'd already sort of been trying to do a bit of research on what what alcohol effects has on your body and 
you know, with medication and all that. So I was sort of in the process of already trying to stop it completely and just get a bit of education on that. I remember I sort of did a bit of ringing around, like around the, the clinics and that here, just trying to get a bit of info and like maybe looking in with some people to start talking about this stuff and all that. And I remember I just couldn't really get any help. Like I just couldn't, like I could get an appointment to see someone, but it was like a week or so from whenever. And it was during the day, just it's hard to get time off work and that. So I sort of thought, oh, well, fuck, they're not, they're not much bloody help. And I'm just sort of like, ah, oh, I'll just, I'll have another couple of, um, another couple of dry months and it, it, it'll sort itself out. Well, it's so full on. And, you know, I, could, I so feel for your wife who's looking at you, still drinking, still breaking down, you know, but she can see the link, but obviously you're not quite putting it together or perhaps starting to. And I love that you're sort of starting to reach out for help and educate yourself, which also I love that too. It means that, you know, like we talk about in the challenge that that part of you that loves you enough to get you well, that wants to get you well, you know, it's not, it's not as though all of our parts hate us. It's like there's a part of me that sees that there is a way out of here. Tell me, okay, when did it get to the point where it was like, right, this is ending, this ends now, like I'm not, I'm not drinking anymore? Yeah, the very last night that I drank, no, nothing major happened that night, but I think it was more just the way I was acting in front of my wife and the kids and that, um, just, just being a dickhead and just not, just not there. Anyway, I woke up the next morning um, and she literally said to me, she said, I think it's time that you stop drinking. I said, I totally agree with you. I said, I've had enough of it myself. And she said, look, if, if you don't sort this out and get your shit sorted, she goes, I can't live like this anymore. We're done. Oh, wow. She just she basically said, look, it's either the alcohol or us, um, so make your choice. And that was a really hard thing to hear, but I didn't – I think I was at the point where I'm like, you know what, you're right. I think I've pushed the boundaries that much. I can see how much it's affecting you. I can see how much it's affecting me. Like I can sort of see what's really going on now. So I said, look, I said, I 100% agree with you. I said, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So, yeah. So that was the very last night that I, I, I've touched alcohol since, and that was just over 12 months ago now. Wow, that is amazing. So amazing. So well done. How is your mindset now? It, I'm not the same person. That's the honest truth. When, when I do go back and think what sort of state I was in it's really it is really scary like to think that I was at the point where I just didn't want to be here and I used to argue with myself like just you know why can't you keep this shit together you know you said you weren't going to drink this weekend you know you said you were going to do this and that with the kids um just what why you know why why can't you just be a normal person and not do this like one of the hardest things I said to me or one of the harshest things I said to myself during that time was when I was having suicidal thoughts I'd convinced myself that I reckon my wife and kids would be better off without me that they deserve someone you know someone around that could you know look after them a lot better like I just I'd just gotten to that point where yeah, I just, I just sort of had that thought, like that I thought that low of myself. Oh, it just kills me to hear you say that. It's hard. It's hard to to hear, let alone having to live with that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah. So the self worth was in the toilet, obviously. What sounds of it, and thinking so lowly of yourself. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm just. Mm. how do you feel about yourself now oh i think i'm awesome <laughs> and so do <laughs> <Yeah>. we <laughs> so does all the grads group yeah no nah, look i've i've since learned a lot about myself since then so it, t- it turns out that 
yeah, the only thing I had to change was the alcohol. It's such a stark difference, isn't it, from being in that place of such darkness to, you know, to where I know you are now and to and people hearing this will really get a lot of hope out of this because I know that there's people out there struggling and struggle and feel, and their self-worth is in the toilet and they feel like they'll never get it back again. But yeah. I think you're living proof that you can come from that darkest, darkest place and there is hope for for brighter days, you know, it is possible. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, you've definitely got to work on yourself and just take it day by day. Yeah. And just like research, I reckon, is what really helped me in the early days um, and changing up what I sort of done on a Friday night. Like, like I'd sort of finish work and I'd, I'd go and pick the girls up from school and, you know, I'd sort of take them out and sort of spend a bit of time with them and just sort of distract myself from old habits sort of thing. Like that really helped a lot. This and is really great. That's so great to know that. And, and, yeah, so changing up what it is that you do normally. So when you're normally going for the drink on the Friday night, doing something mm. completely different, fantastic. Um, and the other thing that really helped, and I reckon that this was the key, I was so open to my wife about how I was dealing with it like we talked about it constantly like I'd sort of say you know I'm feeling a bit you know wobbly and all that sort of stuff um so I definitely reckon that the communication between us was definitely one of the key things that made it it sort of made it a team effort in a way like to to get through it yes a team effort Absolutely. I love that. Such great advice too, to be open with someone, you know, if you can't be your partner, a friend or a buddy or some, you know, someone, someone on fucking Instagram, doesn't matter Mm, as long as you're open with someone, hey? Definitely helps because I kept it, I kept it closed for so long. Like I just kept it to myself for so long. Oh, yes. Yeah. What is huge just to be able to voice and say how you're feeling. I mean, that must've been life-changing for you. It was, it was really good. And like within probably like within a few weeks, like she noticed a complete difference in me. Like I was just, I, I even noticed a difference in myself. Um, I was just, I was just a lot more alert and, you know, I was just, just a lot more focused and it was really good. So you just already, like within a few weeks, just starting to have some clarity, which probably mm. even comes down from just expressing emotions too sometimes, just yeah, rather than having get, that. Getting it all out, yeah. Yeah, not having this bogginess, you know, deep down inside. It's just like it's just like lightness, I guess. Yeah. Tell me some of the other things you did early on. So you've got that, you know, Friday night, go and do something different. Um, was there any other triggers for you that you had to kind of get through and how did you get through those? Um. Yeah, a lot of it was, yeah, do something different. Um, and whether it was, it could have really been anything, but it was definitely change what you did on a Friday night um, and then yeah. plan to do something the next day. Uh, yes. So whether it was going to the beach or, you know, just just taking the girls out somewhere, it was more just just get out and just sort of get away from the house and that. That really helped. But, yeah, definitely a lot of research, um, obviously podcasts. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, how was it for the girls and the family? Because from what you described to me, you'd be sort of outside in the shed drinking on your own. And so now suddenly you're part of the family again. And how was that for the kids, do you think? Well, it was good because I noticed, I noticed a, a difference. They... I don't know if they sort of said, why are you hanging around a lot more? But it's sort of like, oh, you're inside. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that. Just little stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's so beautiful. Isn't that so gorgeous that they notice that? And it's like you're suddenly this, you, you're a dad that's there and you're present and you're with them. And kids mm. love that. All they want to do is be around their people all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. What a beautiful gift to have given them as as well. So, okay, and so when you joined the challenge, you had already been sober for some time. I think we'd done a coaching call together we earlier had, yeah, on. Yeah, we did. Um, I think it was a, when I joined when I joined up with the challenge. I think I was was six or seven months. 
one of the reasons why I joined the challenge, I'd, I'd thought about it um, in the earlier days, but I was sort of going along pretty well, just sort of doing what I was doing and you know, sort of sitting on the sidelines. But I think I got to a point where I got stuck. Um, I sort of got to a point where I'd been sober for, I think it was yeah, six months or so. And I just felt, I just felt flat. I'm sort of like, okay, well, well, now what? Like, okay, this, I just, yeah, I don't know. I sort of hit a dead spot in a way. Yeah, that plateau that happens a lot, that kind of sort yeah. of the ho-hums, I call it. And yeah. A lot of people that you'd had on your podcast, I'd heard the similar thing. You get to about the six months and it's like you just sort of stop and it's like, well, okay, well, yeah, now what? And, yeah, so I sort of started questioning and I'd often heard, you know, people saying that, you know, all this stuff, emotions and stuff that they had buried and eventually that stuff, it's got to come back out. Like you can't keep that down forever. Like, yeah. And I've, I do believe that that's the point that I got to. I, yeah, finally bit the bullet and jumped on and, wow, what an experience that was. Well, it's so good. And to hear from, from yourself who said, you know, someone that was almost gagged, like couldn't speak their emotions, to then come into this group of mainly women and to be able to, <laughs> you know, to share, like you shared a lot within the group. And so well done to you too, just to be so vulnerable because it's such scary ground sometimes too when you're not used to being that person and you're not used to just sharing and just saying what's showing up for you. So that's amazing. Like what an amazing huge step forward. I I definitely think it's because I was with other people that understood what I was going through and I could understand what they were going through that made me just go, you know what, just let it all out, you know. Um, mm. I definitely believe that it was just that, just that support and like we're all going through this thing together. Mm. Yeah, it makes such a big difference, doesn't it? And it's also like when you said, like with your wife, who just sounds so fucking amazing. I just want to give her the biggest bear hug when I do meet her one day in the future. What a beautiful human to support you like that. But I guess also not that it would have been pressuring her, I'm sure, but just to be able to then also share it with other people as well, you know, so it's not just sort of, just on her but you're sharing it with this whole group of people that are going through similar things yeah that was definitely a key thing that's helped me just keep keep um keeping on growing i guess like just yeah that's it you gotta keep on growing don't you like that's the key just to keep on growing and i feel for people when they're having that plateau when they're getting the ho-hums I think that's the time to lean in or do something different or add something else to your daily practice or learn something new, perhaps sign up for something that's going to challenge you. You've got to sort of keep the input perhaps changing and keep challenging yourself to keep it interesting, really. And I think, yeah, so you signing up. Yeah, the challenge was great timing for you. One thing that has been great about you going and in the challenge group but also going forward is like you always turn up for the breath work or you always turn up for the meditations and you really did embrace that kind of stuff which I'm sure was a brand you know a feeling new world for you and how is how does how has that changed your life do you think the learning the meditation the breath work it it is it has definitely helped because when I do get a bit muddled up in the head just with like day-to-day life I'm able to just sort of stop and refocus and go, hang on, what's not right here? Mm. Check in, as you say, and just go, okay, well, this is this is making me feel like this. So it's just helped so much with that inner critic yeah. to just to calm him down a little bit and go, hang on, what you're saying is not right. You just, can you just, just chill and just let me sort this out? Yes. And you can just stay on the sideline and just, just learn from what, yeah just, learn just hang from there for I'm a doing. bit yeah, yeah what yeah. adult me comes and sorts this out <laughs> exactly right um yeah. that sort of stuff yeah really did help a lot and I, I don't know if that was one of the things that one of many that made me do the challenge was to experience and learn a bit of that kind of stuff like because um obviously the old way wasn't working so I thought well maybe it's time to try something new Oh, boom. When the old way's not working, try something new. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yep. There's a T-shirt in that one, Andrew. 
I'm sure there already is one out there like that. Uh, it's so fantastic. And I know that you're one of Sam Brown's favourites as well. <laughs> She's just like, I love Andrew. He's always there. He's always showing up. She, Yeah, so it's it's great. And I love that you still join in on those um, with the new groups that come through. You come and join in on, on the breath work, the meditation when you can. I think it's fantastic. So tell me, what is your daily practice? What's your daily on a day-to-day basis? How does that look for you these days? Um. Well... Obviously, I get up in the morning, and I'm, I'm I'm off to work, sort of thing. But I do take a few moments every morning before I get going, just to check in and see how I'm feeling. Um, take a few deep breaths, quick meditation before yes. I sort of head out the door. Um, during the day, like because I, you know, I'm, I'm driving around the countryside. I love to put on my just good stuff like you know good podcasts and just just always sort of listening to different tips techniques whether it's it could be anything um yeah. just whatever it could be you know about business it could be about your mind it could be about your body just anything really um so there's yeah. always that good input that I still like to do um obviously checking in with the group see how everyone's going all that sort of stuff it's feeding your soul on a daily basis, I think, is so important. Feeding your soul, feeding your mind, but feeding yourself with the positive input rather than having the news going on all day in the truck perhaps, but actually mm. having good stuff that's going to keep you growing and expanding makes such a difference. Absolutely. And, like, I'm on TikTok a fair bit and there's a lot of negative stuff on there, but I always sort of look at the good quotes that a lot of people post and, like, I spend a lot of time looking at that kind of stuff and, the, the ones that really resonate, I always save them in the little folder. And yeah, when I'm sort of sort of get get a bit of chance, I'll go back and have a bit of a listen to them, and just sort of keeps that mindset, you know, in a really good place. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah, and it's like you have to be an active participant in your in the good mindset in creating a good mindset for yourself. You have to work on that, and you have to keep feeding that. It's like a furnace. You have to keep stoking that fire keep it going keep feeding it the good fuel to keep Absolutely. it going yep for sure yeah yeah have you had any have you had many times where you've felt yourself slipping and going back into the darkness or are you fairly stable to be honest i i don't recall any um i wow. definitely feel i'm past all that amazing that's so good it's so good there's such a message of hope in this this podcast today and I'm just so stoked that you've come on to share and to be so open I really really appreciate it and I'm sure there'll be people out there just going wow you know this is going to really help them just to know that there is hope and that you can come out of that place everyone's story is different like yeah but there definitely is hope if you if you put in the work and yeah there was obviously a little bit a little bit of me that wanted to to get through all this and I thank that part of me every day. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, thanking that part that wants to keep us well, thanking the part that loves us to to get us here, to get us to this place. So beautiful. I, I know I'm a good person and I do all the good stuff and that, but, yeah, you just, with, with the drinking, you just get to a point where you know it's just not you. How do you feel about alcohol now? How do you feel towards alcohol? I personally, like, I know it, I know it's in the world. I definitely don't like like it. I have no interest in ever touching it again. Yeah, I think it's just one of them things that we just have to live with, like, because it's just, it's in the world and you can either choose to do it or not do it. Yeah. Really. A really important part of this too is seeing the alcohol for what it is and seeing it for what it is actually doing to you and, and recognising that, that it's not you it's it's not that something's broken in you or that you're the problem. It's that the alcohol is a problem. Sure, we might have problems that we need to to sort out and to work on, but alcohol is definitely not helping that situation at all. In fact, especially with mental health stuff, anxiety, depression, it's just pouring so much fuel onto onto the depression, onto the anxiety. It's not your friend. No, it's not. I always used to think it was, but. Yeah, it's definitely not your friend. It's not doing you any favours. How's the medication now? Are you still up on the 100 milligrams? No, I'm, I'm off it. You're off the medication? 
Yeah, I have been for, um, oh, shit, several months now. Um, that is I, I think it was. I think it was just after we finished the challenge, I started cutting it down. Um, I went from 100 to 50, and then I, got, I went down to about 25. This was over, like, a few months. And then I got to the point where I just I took a few days off work and just stayed at home and just let it all get out of my system, which was a rough few days. I'm, that was really rough, but it was totally worth it. And yeah, I think I've been off it for probably shit, yeah, four months, three, four months, I reckon. Absolutely. So Oh, that is so amazing. And so obviously you did that in conjunction with with advice from your GP. We're not telling people here listening to this to go stop your medication by any. Yeah, definitely any get some advice. Don't just go and stop it because it, yeah, it's you can't just, yeah, you can't just stop taking it. it yeah, it really, it really embeds itself into you. Yeah, yeah, you've got it. You you must speak to GP about that. But well done. I mean, that is fantastic. Yeah. What a huge achievement. Well, it kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't need this stuff anymore. Like. I don't, yeah, so I'm like, I'm going to start cutting it down. So, yeah, and eventually I'm like, no, nah, I'm done. Amazing. So, do you have a gratitude practice? It, or did you? A, it, I, I, I do, but I'm more just, I don't write them down all the time. I more just think of all the things I'm grateful for every day, which I'm just, yeah. I'm just still grateful for being here. Um, yeah. I, I get to keep witnessing life and watching me girl. It's just amazing. It's just incredible that someone can go from such darkness to such light and be off the medication and be grateful for being here and grateful for just being a witness to your day and to the kids. I just think it's just beautiful. What a huge achievement. Incredible, Andrew. I, I'm quite proud of it. I, yes. I'll admit I really am. <laughs> you really should be. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, if you could go back and give 20-year-old Andrew some advice what would you say to him 20 year old andrew um i'd i'd really say look mate alcohol is not the answer um just yeah like learn how to deal with your emotions because it's going to get rough if you keep going this way so yeah Mm. alcohol ain't the answer yeah and just learning how to deal tell me how does it feel how how are you feeling right now? What what are you feeling right now in your body, your emotions? Um, I'm feeling quite proud. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just really proud, and just just really grateful. Amazing, so and happy, good. happy, really, day. really happy within myself. Yeah, fantastic. That is so good. Well, thank you so much. Andrew, for for coming on and sharing this story. And it's, yeah, as I said, it's just, I'm very, very grateful for you. And I'm grateful that I'm so grateful to have worked with you and to have you in the group. And you, like I say, always contributing to the group and posting your amazing videos and photos. And I think you just inspire people just to keep going and to keep the meditation going. And I really do hope you become a meditation teacher. For the truck drivers, yes. I've got this whole vision. In fact, you don't know, but when we had our grads lunch on Sunday, we had this whole um, plan with a whole marketing meeting all about Andrew, the truck driver, and the <laughs> your meditation <laughs> teaching that's going to happen. So you just don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you never know what could happen in the future. Yeah, amazing. I've got a few plans, but, yeah, you just never know what could happen. So. No, and that's so true, isn't it? You don't know what's around the corner. And and likewise, when you're feeling terrible, you know, what would you say actually for people that are in that dark place right now? What advice would you give them? If you feel like something's not right, chances are it's not. Um, try and ask questions and just try and get some help before it's too late. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Don't do it alone. People, there is people out there willing to help you. You've just got to find them. Like they yeah. are there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to do it on your own. And I think what you said earlier too, just about finding someone that you can express and speak to. And I think if you have no one, even journaling can help, you know, when the emotions come up, get writing them down. Like, you know, so if if you don't feel like there's someone in your life that you can speak to or you can't get help immediately, just getting them out always, you know, emotions are like a fart. 
better out than in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Get them out. We do not want them in there. They give us upset tummies. Beautiful advice, Andrew. Beautiful human. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's just hey, awesome. You're, you're thanks, amazing. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity and, yeah, hopefully my story helps someone and, yeah, all the best. I'm sure it will. Thanks, mate. Bye. Right. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.